Here's another clinical zirconia case that we're going to attempt. You can see that the patient's got an anterior crossbite. We've got some old composites, a very large composite on tooth number eight. We've got some discrepancies in the gingival levels. We've got all kinds of stuff going on here, all kinds of aesthetic issues that need to be solved. And what we're going to try to do, because the patient has had uh, a history of recurrent decay on these teeth, is use a cementable material light clinical zirconia, and then we're going to finish off his smile with some no-prep veneers next to the crowns just to kind of round it off. And this has been one of the really neat things about no-prep veneers that I didn't anticipate, the ability to finish off a smile with these without having to do any additional preparation. So as the first step in the reverse preparation technique, you can see we're using the round burr here. This is an 801021 burr from Axis Dental. Actually, all the burrs you'll see in this presentation are from the reverse preparation kit, also available from uh, Axis Dental. And we're going in and breaking some interproximal contacts here. Usually, I harp on and on about not having any bleeding when I'm doing the preparation, and I go to great pains to do that. But I know on this patient, we're going to be using the laser to adjust some of the gingival levels. So here, it's not that big of a deal if we cause some bleeding, because certainly we're going to cause some bleeding when we go in and recontour the gingiva anyway. And most of the time on these patients, as we recontour the gingiva, we will not take final impressions on this day because the gingiva, I just like to see it heal a little bit and get a little healthier. And uh, if I have the time and the patient's not in an incredible hurry, I'd rather prepare it on the first appointment, do any gingival recontouring I need to do, let it heal and then have the patient back and actually take the final impression at that next appointment. That also allows me to really dial in the temporaries on that first visit. And then I know that um, uh, wherever the temporaries are is where they're going to stay. Now I'm trying the biotemps on right here, and I'm trying this because they have fixed, if you will, the gingival levels for me. They've put ideal gingival levels onto these biotemps. So when I push the biotemps into place, Anywhere where the biotemp is covering the gingival tissue, I know that I need to reduce that to make it make it uh, the gingiva be at the right level. So we're using a little viscostat here from Ultradent just to stop some of the bleeding, so I can see a little more easily what's going on here. Had we decided we were going to take impressions today, we would have spent a little more time making sure that the patient had some really healthy tissue. But uh, we knew that we were going to go in with the laser and recontour this. So. Here we are using our diode laser. This is the laser smile from BioLase. And we're going in and removing some tissue. I'm just freehanding this. We could mark it sometimes with a marker. Or other times we'll put little holes with an explorer. But um, this one's pretty easy to see what's going on. And really, I'm just trying to match a couple teeth here. So as I go along with the diode, it's nice that we don't have much bleeding while we're working on this. On unhealthy tissue, sometimes we will have a little bleeding later. But basically, just recontouring the central incisor on the right to look like the central incisor on the left, and then trying the biotemps back on to see if, in fact, we have reduced enough. Once we've brought our tissue back to where it needs to be, we're going to go ahead and drop our margins down to that new gingival level. And here I'm using a little mosquito burr to go in and create a little more separation between the teeth. I love this little mosquito burr. And once again, we're using our chamfer burr to create a deep chamfer or a shallow shoulder, however you want to look at it on the facial of that lateral incisor as well. And because I touched that, you can see we've got a little bleeding there, which isn't of a big consequence, really, to tell you the truth, because we're not going to impress this today. 
So we're going to reline the biotemps. You can do this with bisacryl. You can do this with um, acrylic material. This is with acrylic material. That's probably the preferable way to do it because we're, uh, we can manipulate the temporaries, the biotemps, during that doughy stage. If you do it with the bisacryl material, such as Luxatemp, uh, it's easier, it's faster, there's less heat released, and it doesn't smell as bad. But you always run the risk of locking in those biotemps onto the preparation. So we really try to use the acrylic uh, whenever we can. It is more of a hassle, I know. Uh, but it does make sure you can pump the biotemps up and down and not lock them into place, which you hate to do with the biotemps. Once we've done that, uh, we're going to take it off, trim around the margins, and then go ahead and cement those four units into place. Because the rest of the units are going to be no prep veneers, we don't have to worry too much uh, or at all about any preparation. We just need to make sure the teeth are clean and then we get a good impression of those. So remember to syringe around the gingival margins of those teeth. Even though we're not going to be doing any preparation, you got to make sure uh, that the impression material gets down along the sulcus. So since it's the next appointment, we're going to go ahead and take our impression today. So here goes our double zero cord into place, and you can floss that in interproximally and then pack it the rest of the way. The gingiva looks decent. It's been two weeks since we did our surgery. And now our number two cord's going on top of it. Remember the double zero cord, we cut the ends of it so that when we pack it into place, the ends of the retraction cord are flush. I don't want any excess uh, retraction cord material poking up from that first cord, that bottom cord. And then once we go around with our top cord, our 2E cord, we will leave a tag, as you can see there, above the gingiva, and that gives us an easy place to grab onto it and remove it after it's been in place for 8 to 10 minutes. So we'll go ahead and pack the cord here on the rest of those four anterior teeth. Dentists will often ask me, do they need to pack retraction cord for no prep veneers? And you really don't want to. I mean, you could uh, put a double zero cord around a tooth that's going to receive a no prep veneer, but we really don't want the margins uh, of that no prep veneer going subgingival because then it's going to be bulkier underneath the gingival margin. No prep veneers, by definition, are a little bulky at the gingival, and I'd rather have it right at the gingival margin, which is how we make it, because that way the toothbrush will pass over it hopefully three or four times a day and keep things nice and clean. Even if the patient only brushes once or twice a day, it still keeps it cleaner if we can keep that bulky no prep margin uh, at the gingival free margin or even slightly super gingival. So after the patient bites down on these copper caps for 8 to 10 minutes, and I really try to be religious about that time. In fact, if anything, I'll err on having them in place for 15 minutes rather than just doing it for 4 or 5 minutes. We're going to go ahead and express our medium body impression material, the syringe material from the capture system around those teeth. And my assistant hands me a full arch tray that's got the heavy body material in the tray already. I really like that medium body syringe material. I know with the two cord technique, we're going to get some impression material subgingival, and I want to make sure it doesn't tear. And the best way to make sure it's not going to tear is to use medium body. And you can see, for example, on the facial margins, as you look at this impression, you can see that deep chamfer or shallow shoulder that we've prepared. And then you can see where the impression material goes beyond the margin, further subgingival to show the lab technician exactly where uh, the root structure is on that tooth so they can nail the emergence profile and they should be able to nail the gingival third contours as well. 
Now that we've taken that impression, we're going to put the exact same temporaries back in place. We've made no adjustments on those because we know the tissue is going to be in the same place that it was at this appointment. So really, you know, you don't want to make any adjustments at all to the gingival levels on your temporary when you impress it on this second visit like that. So we put the biotemps back in with some uh, temp bond, and then we're going to let that set and clean up the temp bond from around the margins of the temporary. So it's been two weeks since we've taken the master impression, and we're going to remove the biotemps. And oh, we cracked that one right there. And now we're going to remove the temporary cement from the teeth. Temp bond cleans up really easily from the teeth. Uh, sometimes if you have areas where you've got a composite buildup, it will stick a little bit more, and you may have to scrape it off. Some dentists like to put a uh, little glycerin, a little Vaseline right in that area so that they don't have that uh, as an issue. That's one way to do it. Or you can use the uh, Cabosonic Scaler to be able to remove that as well. If you do have any irritation, and again, this patient um, does not have the healthiest gum tissues in the world. In fact, he's he's diabetic, and it's something he struggles with. We're using a little viscostat here on the gingiva because we do have some bleeding. And this is another reason why I want to be able to use a product like clinical zirconia, is we do want the aesthetics of an all-ceramic, but we want to be able to cement it. Obviously, there's no way we could bond uh, into that kind of area with that kind of bleeding, but we've all been able to cement and successfully uh, PFMs and conventional restorations into areas that are bleeding. We're now going to try on the uh, the no prep veneers. So as we try on these no prep veneers, we always do it with a translucent cement, so we can really see. Uh, we'd like the um, underlying color of the tooth to show through and that's really what happens in fact if you're just going for a color change no prep veneers are not a great idea you cannot get major color changes on teeth with no prep veneers that is not one of the indications for no prep veneers we gave the patient a mirror and he liked how they look so we're putting in the clinical zirconia crowns now here's tooth number eight and nine being put in with reliax looting cement plus my favorite cement for these routine crown and bridge applications. And then I use these orange wood sticks just to hold them in place. On posterior teeth, patients can bite them down. On anterior teeth, I like to use these sticks to help hold them in place. Get nice, firm seating on the tooth with the orange wood sticks. If I do it with my fingers, the incisal edges of the crowns dig into my finger, and I can't hold that same kind of steady pressure. So we're going to go ahead and clean up the excess cement around these clinical zirconia crowns on teeth number 8 and 9. We always start with 8 and 9 because if we don't get these two teeth in the correct position, we've basically blown the whole case. So could we cement 7, 8, 9, and 10 at the same time? Uh, yes, we could. We absolutely could. But there are times where you have contact issues sometimes, and you don't want to have to deal with those. I don't want to by putting in four units. So a lot of times I put in eight and nine first, almost all the time, like we did here, put in eight and nine first. And then once we've cleaned up the excess cement, we try seven and 10 in again to see if we do have any contact problems. If we do, then we'll adjust seven and 10 with eight and nine in the proper position. Whereas if I had tried to put in seven, eight, nine, and 10 at the same time and did have some contact issues, you could see I, I would be just as likely to get teeth seven and 10 in the correct position as I would to be to get teeth number eight and nine in the right position, and that would blow the whole case aesthetically. So over the years, I've learned to slow down a little bit. I get eight, nine, and first, and then recheck contacts and make sure everything's okay. Because during the try-in, you can have contact problems, and it looks like they're down. But until you go to cement them, you never really know.
Now that 7, 8, 9, and 10 are cemented in place, we're starting to work on our no-prep veneers. So we're etching tooth number 11 and tooth number 12, as you can see here. That etch is on enamel, so it's going to stay in place for 15 seconds. Uh, there is no dent exposed, which is nice. We don't have to worry about post-operative sensitivity, and we know we're going to get the strongest bond available in dentistry today, and that is to enamel where you don't have any dent exposed. Once we've rinsed and dried that off, it's fun to be able to dry enamel again once you've etched it and get that frosty look, which we've been told not to do to dentin. We're placing our bonding agent into place. We'll thin it out with a little bit of air. We'll cure it first, although you can wait to cure it if you would rather do it that way. And then we're putting these veneers in with the translucent shade of uh, Ivoclar's veneer cement. This is Variolink veneer. And then holding it down with the orange wood stick so that they don't move as my assistant comes in and does a little tack uh, at the incised ledge for about two seconds with the curing light and she'll do that at the gingival too and as you can see it's in the gel stage and I'm able to clean that up very easily with just an explorer. Uh, because they're no prep veneers and they don't have the same kind of positive seat uh, as you would see with a regular veneer that's why I hold it in place with the orange wood stick as she tacks those into place. Then we're just using a little handheld cutter, a little separator here, a strip that's built into a handle from Axis Dental. And this is a really nice way to go in there and make sure there's no uh, cured composite that's stuck or left between those two teeth. Once we've done that, we go over to the other side, and uh, here we're going to go ahead and etch teeth number five and six, and then place the bonding agent just as we did on the other side. The patient had um, uh, bicuspids removed uh, earlier in life, and so we only have the cuspid and the one bicuspid here. If there was another bicuspid, we would probably place a veneer on that as well. Again, it just fills out the buccal corridor. It makes the smile really look uniform, and it's uh, these no-prep veneers, as we're using them here, are a great way to finish off a smile and turn it into a whole smile case without having to do more then prep those four anterior teeth. And you can see as I press down on that cuspid no prep veneer with the orange wood stick how it seats all the way and you want to make sure it's all the way down. This thin press material from Glidewell that we use for these no prep veneers is very strong. It's stronger than other pressed ceramics that we've used before. And I've never actually had one break, you know, holding it down into place like that with uh, the orange wood stick as my assistant tacks that gingival area for me so I can clean that off. And then she tacks the lingual for me for about two seconds so I can begin to clean off that excess cement in the gel state as you can see it uh, peeling off right there. Now, if I took that orange wood stick and held it down on the facial of the veneer and banged it into place with a mallet, uh, it probably would break. So, you know, I'm not leaning on it with all my weight, but, you know, I'm not being, you know, super gentle and using a cotton roll either. I just don't have a problem with that orange wood stick uh, putting a reasonable amount of pressure. And I apologize for being vague, but I don't know how else to put it. You know, I'm not being extremely gentle, but I'm not like leaning into it, trying to break it as well. For excess cured cement on the facial surfaces of these veneers, this brownie wheel that you can see that I'm using here is just a great way to make sure that uh, all that cement is cleaned off. You might remember the brownies and greenies and super greenies from Shofu as part of the cast gold technique that you were taught in dental school, as I was. And it was almost by mistake that I found out it works really good for these veneer cases as well to remove cured cement. On the front four restorations with the CZ, obviously there's no need for that because we used a conventional cement. And on the before and afters, you can see even though... 
it's a patient with compromised gingival health and compromised medical history. We were able to go from a look that wasn't real nice to something that ended up pretty nice for him. And uh, is this ever going to win awards in AACD journal? No, no, it won't. But it doesn't need to. You know, for this patient who rated his smile on a scale from 1 to 10 as a 3 in the beginning, he actually gave it a 10 now. And uh, all dentists may not feel that way looking at it, but for this patient, we were able to accomplish the goals he set out to accomplish, and that is give him a nice-looking smile. And we were able to do it in a somewhat conservative fashion, utilizing the clinical zirconia restorations and the thin-press no-prep veneers. 